You're listening to a Talent Miles Talks podcast produced by Talent Miles, the company using digital approaches to create more dialogue and learning in teams and faster change in companies. Hey, welcome to the author of the, of the hour, Anthony Elliott, professor of sociology and the University of South Australia in, in, in Adelaide. Yes, well, hello. Thank you very well, much. Great you. pleasure to, to be able to join you for this forum. Thanks a lot for the invitation. Um, it, it, it comes at an especially good time because I'd mentioned to Bo that uh, today's technically my last day uh, in the office. We still uh, have offices in Adelaide that we are traveling to or sometimes are expected to show up in. So uh, anyway, I've done my stint. It's now 7 p.m. And I believe when we get to 8 p.m., I'll be clocking off for Christmas. And I couldn't think of a, a better way to finish up the year than to have the chance to talk to my friends and colleagues at Talent Miles. So thank you. Very good. Thank you for, for those warm words, words, Anthony. And I think that you are not alone in, 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 in looking forward to, to a, a peaceful uh set of holidays and and maybe not maybe for many of us we still have a, a thing or two to professionally to get done get done but but it sounds very good with have with with this being your last um of official uh set, uh, set um situation for for before before christmas anthony elliott my friends is a is a globally recognized researcher and observer of of processes of the social and increasingly connected world of individuals, companies, and societies. I rehearsed that very many times because when you know someone as 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 well and has worked with with someone uh, you uh, like I have had the pleasure to do, you you also have a very set understanding of what that person does, and suddenly you are faced with the with the with the need to to describe that somehow rationally. Uh, now it is not at all irrational, as you will see in in many ways. But but it is. Uh, but it, but it, um, needless to say, I mean the, the the topic of reinvention really invites, or could invite so many, um, so many different and 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 uh, different ways different ways of, of approach and different discussions, and and we will get into those in a second. Now, based on his research. Of, of, of a decent number of years. Anthony Elliott has published uh, or edited 40 books in 17 languages. That's to date and counting, my friends. He's educated at Cambridge. His global reach today includes visiting positions as professor at the Graduate School of Human Relations in Keio University, Japan, and as professor of sociology at University College Dublin and Ireland. You will find him, of course, on LinkedIn, and you can then read up and, and find out about his other com com uh, commitments. The, the topic of today is reinvention, uh, but we and we will not have time to dig into all the aspects of reinvention. But ask Anthony actually to indulge us in going out of his comfort zone into that of many of ours, namely leadership. But we do have to start, of course. With trying to understand the the, the 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 beast in a while. Now, it's a well-traveled message of our time that we were would the world we live and work and lead in 
is changing continuously. I don't need to tell you this. I'm quite sure, and I saw many coaches, many leaders on on the on the board of today. Now, apart from this changing continuously um, buzzword and mantra, there's a shared mantra of both workers and leaders and companies that the only way to survive the change is to be changing with it. Now, this is firmly in 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 most companies of today, I dare say. And, and also in, in the minds, it's a well-rehearsed truth of, of many of many leaders, of many, many of us working in the, with development, uh, and of course also with many employees. And, and we will concern ourselves with, with, with all of these um, in, in due course here, here. Now, today's guest will show that we are in fact living the sense and story of continuous change in ourselves. Uh, so this, that is far from driven by careful decisions based on analysis of, of the changing world around us. It, it is that too, but we, it, this, is, this is the, well, it's not the mythical part of, of, of side of, of, of reinvention, but it's certainly one of the interesting ones. Another persistent mantra of leadership is that people and in organizations at work resist change. And yet another one uh, coupled with that is, is that to be successful at work, a person needs to find her or his purpose. And as leaders, we then need to nurture and share uh, and, and share help help people to share purpose and companies to share purpose and thus reach engagement. Following from the observations and growing understanding of, of, of our culture of reinvention, however, the argument could be made that people have never wanted and, uh, and, and never been acting towards change in their lives as much as they do today. And personally, as a leadership coach of some 30 years, actually, uh, is, uh, this is something I find very, very comforting in a way, yet very difficult to, to, to sort of grasp um, the, the, the true meaning of. So this notion that we have about pe people being very, very rooted in themselves, very, very, very stable and, and very, very reluctant to change. There's actually another take on that. And I hope we, we get a chance to, to ask Anthony a little bit about this today. Secondly, the, the question really becomes uh, of, of what purpose really is and how it works both on an individual and, and the company level. And if the challenges of purpose and engagement wouldn't be difficult, as, as if they wouldn't be difficult enough already, do we re need to rethink purpose? We won't give you all the answers today, but we really want to challenge you to think about this and please let us know if you find the answers. Let's start with trying to describe and recognize the animal. Anthony, what is reinvention and why is it happening and why does it grow? A quick and fast one for you to, to start with. Well, it's, it's um, difficult to be quick and fast on this one, although the book is attempting to be quick and fast on most things. Um, what I mean by that is, given the nature of the book and essentially what I'm trying to argue, 
um, it would be kind of paradoxical to try and define reinvention in toto. I mean, probably the best thing to do is just to share with people um, on, on this Zoom the, how the book got written. I mean, the book got written because I got, I was living in the UK. I was getting more and more intrigued with why it was when I came home after work that um, particularly at the level of popular culture, there were seemingly endless TV programs with people reinventing themselves and reinventing everything about themselves there homes, certainly their gardens, their wardrobes, their sex lives. Um, you know, the rise of makeover TV just seemed to me to be a kind of an extraordinary development across Europe. And it, it really grabbed hold in the UK. So reinvention at the level of popular culture, as I talk about it in the book, is very much about, you know, therapy culture. It's about dieting. It's about cosmetic surgery. Um, and, you know, um, life coaching and on and on. Um, then, of course, if you switch over to corporate culture, uh, it's interesting again because reinvention's really taken hold, as Bo just mentioned a moment ago, of organizational life of, of large scale and, and mid sized companies as well. I mean, it's become, as it were, you know, the kind of only game in town um, to be demonstrating to people whether it's shareholders uh, and investors, um, you know, whether it's to your line manager, uh, that people are up for the work of, you know, engaging in the act of, of being relentlessly adaptable, pliable, plastic, um, so on and so forth. Um, the book, as Bo mentioned, it was initially a very little book. For some reason, the publisher then, you know, paradoxically came back and said, oh, we think it might be a great idea for you to make it a, a much bigger book. So it's it's sort of now somehow doubled in size. The only thing, and I'll finish with this, is just to say um, it's not a typically academic book. Um, I, I thought quite a lot about this in, in leading up to the publication of the second edition. And I think it was like when I, the experience of reading Oscar Wilde, I remember reading this, you know, Wilde's wonderful sentences. And my sense was, you know, why don't we all go around talking like this all the time? I mean, by comparison, our own everyday chit chat so dull and, and uninspiring. And then you read Wilde and you kind of think it should be like that. So what I tried to do with this book, and of course, you're not really allowed to do this in social science, was I thought, let's take a really broad look. So it's there is the broad look at reinvention in personal life, in sexual life, in therapeutic life, but in companies, organizations, but right through to the reinvention of um, cities, the reinvention of regions, the reinvention of global politics. Um, it's an insanely ambitious book. Um, and that's what it's trying to do around this theme of reinvention. Anthony, before, before we go further, could you could you just humor us by by nailing a few sort of I, I suppose reasonings by by way of back background? Why is the the the, the processes and the drive for 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 reinvention? Um, you mentioned in in uh, in a number of places actually I've seen yet yeah, it, that it's a buzzword and 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 it certainly is, but it is it is actually less a buzzword I would maintain in 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 corporate life. Uh, where I mean, yes, it's found there too. But but we are, we are also very well versed with creativity, with continuous change, not necessarily with continuous reinvention. 
So what I'm what I'm curious is, I suppose, first, where does re reinvention in in the short version, the extremely short version of why do we talk about reinvention today? Why, yeah, in in your 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 take and your understanding. And the second yeah. one, sort of, how how do how would you position the 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 the, the term the the, uh, the the concept of reinvention to, to uh, in, 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 together with these other other buzzwords of our time? Yeah, yeah. So um, as a sociologist, I, I've got a fairly kind of institutional answer, I guess, to what you're asking me as to why reinvention gets up and running in these early decades of the 21st century. Um, although I should say, one of the things I, that I was actually trying to do, you know, in, in the book is to not, we're not trying to trouble the reader too much. So I, I don't belabor this point. I don't go overboard about it. But I guess the what you're asking is, you know, what's the background thesis? And why do I see reinvention taking off? Well, I mean, essentially, you know, if you if you look at the nature of the global digital economy today, we live in a world where, you know, we we see endless corporate downsizings, we see just in time deliveries, you know, we see the advent of multiple careers, um, of global offshoring, outsourcing, reshoring. I mean, this is just the way the world now is in these early decades of the 21st century, and it's certainly just the way the world is for the denizens of the expensive polished cities of the West living in 2020, um, trying to deal with this complex global digital economy. At the same time now, obviously, they've been trying to deal with the COVID-19 global pandemic. What I think that means and what I'm trying to get at in the book is um, you can kind of imagine it as a um, pressing down on the shoulders of men and women today that um, that in the same way that companies, institutions, and organizations are busy uh, to seeking to reorganize, recalibrate, restructure, uh, and to reinvent uh, themselves, that pressure gets transferred onto contemporary women and men. So I think part of my argument is that there's, you know, it, it's not an accident. Women and men don't just suddenly wake up in the 2020s saying, you know, today I'm going to do Botox, tomorrow I'll do therapy, and while I'm at it, I'm going to reorganize the whole department that, that we're running at work. I mean, there's something, there's something going on here. It's, it's in the air that we breathe. Um, it's become a kind of what, what the late Raymond Williams would have called a structure of feeling. Um, so that's, that's what I'm trying to get at as to why that's the case. And the point of the book, in part, is to try to unearth the differences between sort of more coercive forms of reinvention, the ones that I think are, are doing us damage, the ones that I think are questionable, the ones that I think are more pernicious, compared to the more imaginative, freeing forms of reinvention. Now, there's a, there's a concept, uh, a, a, a a sister concept really to to to, re, to reinvention which which is also very prominent in in the book and and just very quickly how open the the notion of of uh, new individualism which actually happened to be when the title of your book of, of your 
your your true bestseller about a, a few years back let's say like say it like that but but, but so, so what does new individualism have to do with reinvention so well without going into all the complexities of individualism because it's obviously got a remarkably long history certainly throughout western social science and and political thought uh but part of what i'm interested in is um how how women and men come to live under the impression and ideology that their identities get fixed, that um, they are the same today as they were yesterday, and that the pressures that are brought to bear on women and men as a result um, of living with certain individualist orientations to the world. One of the things, one of the reasons I think we can talk about the emergence of a kind of new individualism is that I think more and more people today, not everywhere, not everyone, but I think there is a growing dawning realization. People feel that their lives are somehow and mysteriously being rendered unfit for purpose. Yeah, unfit for purpose that they need to, you know, go about um, undertaking a set of revisions, a set of um, recalibrations, a set of reorganizations, what I'm calling this whole, the, the rise of the mantra of reinvention, in order to be able to get on and to confront the challenges um, of daily living, uh, in order to be able to get on and to show others, to show um, loved ones, to show your family, to show your boss, to show fellow colleagues, that you are um, up and ready for the challenges um, that the that the economy and that living in in, a, in an age of intensive globalization actually raises. The, the difficulty is, and, and the rub is, in a world of new individualism, as we all are very busy scrambling to readjust, to recalibrate, to reorganize and to restructure, we do these things thinking that this is going to see us through but there's always this sort of gnawing worry at the back of our minds that, you know, it, it's actually only going to hold good for today and that tomorrow there'll be a new set of challenges in the company. There'll be a new set of challenges in the organization. There'll be a new set of challenges at home and that we're going to have to start this kind of reinvention work um, over and over again um, in a kind of infinite regress. Thank you very much for, for, for opening that up, Anthony. I think this is a very good teaser. I hope you all feel, feel uh, teased to, to find out more about this. I can promise you a very, very interesting read in, 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 in the present book. And you will find also many, many um, uh, uh, recordings of Anthony's, uh, Anthony and, and his colleagues' reasoning uh, uh, over the internet. But I would just by way of commenting on that, Anthony, I would say that you know, what, what you are actually bringing up there is, <clears throat> is both alarming and comforting at the same time. It's comforting in the sense that, that it is not really the, 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 it is not the fault or the, to, the, the companies as such or the working life is not necessarily to blame. Uh, which is which is sort of the conventional wisdom is sort of is somehow that that the the hectic working life is to blame for why people feel bad feel 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 less good about themselves and that and they have problems with their lives now uh, we i'm sure we are quite 
quite certain all of us that there are they are somewhat to blame. But what you are saying is that the, the notion of reinvention and understanding reinvention and 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 new individualism as phenomena have much deeper and longer roots than that, which is actually kind of alarming to me as a leadership developer as well, because that means that it is not enough to just have the odd discussion with the leader about you. You just you just uh, you, you make sure that you coach your 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 employees and make sure you feel you are really really in, in their world and understand what they do i mean there are, there is actually more to it than that i'm not saying we should give up i'm not saying we should tell leaders not to try i'm just saying that there is there, there is actually quite a lot to dig into here if we if we if we start doing it which is why i think it's also rather rather uh, refreshing that that Anthony Elliott now is here here we, we we are confronted here by a person who is not a many business business school scholar which uh, be, because that's and being one myself confessing to being one myself I must say that this it uh, much of today's troubles and one-eyed ideas about what is going on in life uh, unfortunately seems to come out of business schools uh, I, I, I have muted you all, so you can't protest protest on this on this now. Now, um, in the book, just by way of of, of orientate, orienting orientating you a little, in the book, Anthony goes through. There's a, an opening chapter on 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 reinvention of bodies, uh, and and um, I must say, and uh, I, every time I read Anthony Elliott's and and his colleagues' comments on that, I I it, 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 it's it makes one feel just just sort of uneasy and and well to be quite frank a little bit disgusted because of when we understand and we see the the mutual, what we are actually capable of doing with our 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 bodies now now it, the, it it gets so much more comfortable when when he needs me he goes on to describe how we are actually reinventing our per, ourselves as persons as as the the self-help culture and and all of this and coming into the very safe discussions my friends on on reinvention how it shows in 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 careers what how reinvention gets coupled with careers and even also with corporate life and networks so um uh, anthony would you would you humor us with a couple of of, of well i don't know except ideas from the book or just anywhere and sort of what what are really the hallmarks on how how reinvention shows in working life with individuals yeah. in, in in working life any any short comments on that yeah so well one way in which i talk about it and one way which i think is increasingly on the troubling end of the spectrum for people when you say that um you know these forces are very pervasive they're institutionalized and um, I mean, one argument might be that all of this is getting worse. It's not getting better, um, particularly, you know, in the age of, as we now approach the end of the age of, of Trumpism and Brexit and the rise of a kind of, um, you know, resurgence of political popularism across Europe, um, which are all sort of versions uh, at a political level of the kind of reinvention that, that I'm talking about in the book. Um, I guess one thing that I'd really highlight is that there's been a shrinkage, there's this kind of shrinkage of our timeframes 
and our sense of continuity and spatial connection with other people, partly, you know, because of the sort of thing that we're doing here. I mean, this is astonishing. Here I am in Adelaide and I'm able to, you know, immediately connect up. Um, you know, what's happening on one side of the world now is um, immediately available on to, to many on the other side of the world. So that's one of the things I'm getting at. But I'm trying to also highlight this kind of shrinkage of time, the shrinkage and the way that presses in on people's lives. So, you know, for instance, we've moved from a world of, um, you know, till death us do, death us do part marriages across until further notice relationships. We're talking about, you know, personal life and the personal sphere. I mean, this is not to say that marriage has completely fallen on hard times, but it is to say, if you look at what's happening to the nature of relationships over the last 20 to 30 years, certainly throughout many advanced societies, there is this shift in terms of understandings of the nature of commitments and the kind of commitments that people make compared to, say, the lives that our parents led or certainly the lives that their parents led. Well, I think it's similar with work. You know, we've gone from yesterday's world of, you know, jobs for life across now into a world of jobs until further notice. And that's become really radicalized in the 2010s with the whole takeoff of obviously the gig economy, um, with the rise of various platforms. Um, and, you know, whether it's Uber, whether it's Facebook, um, whether it's Amazon, the rise of, of, you know, the big tech companies, we're seeing, you know, a whole new ball game in terms of what work is. Work's become increasingly, not for everyone, but for more and more women and men today, sliced and diced into sort of project work, you know, team-based projects, which no sooner start than they're sort of almost immediately dissolving again. So all of this, I would suggest at both a kind of personal level, but also in terms of our working, our professional life. I mean, how can it not have, you know, huge consequences, massive consequences? And, you know, Bo, this is something that you and I, I mean, given we've been talking around these topics um, on and off now for over, uh, well over a decade, um, you know, this is something that, you know, I put under the category of the, what I call these kind of zombie notions or these zombie categories that we've inherited um, from previous decades and previous centuries, truth be told. That is to say that the realities of the world that we face in 2020 no longer really map onto or connect up to um, the, the, the language, the ideas, the, the ideas base of where we're drawing from. So it's as if, um, you know, we've fallen out of kilter. What we learnt in school, what we got from university, um, what we've got from a tech college or whatever, we know that this is now just increasingly, um, you know, it's, it's kind of out of date by the time it's passed on to us. We're in a world of instant obsolescence. So that's why I think this creates enormous challenges for the area that I don't know about much, um, namely, you know, how do you manage things? How do you govern things? How do you organize things? Um, and, and that's always why I like talking to, to you and your colleagues on, on these forums. What a great comment. I, coming from a person who has, has run countless of, 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 of projects and, and, and uh, staff uh, groups over over 
over over his career. So that that is that it's refreshing, Anthony, that you still think consider yourself not the leader. Now I'm going to talk. I'm to, I'm going to turn the, the the mic over now to my my friend Ralph. I I I I won't know that you are you are desperate to 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 really connect to. Um, the, this, the, the whole discussion to what we are experiencing right now. You have some comments on the pandemic and questions regarding that. Thanks, Mo. Yes, I'm curious as to the times that we're living in and, and, and trying to reframe or, or understand reinvention within the confines of the pandemic. I mean, we everybody present have now become experts at reorganizing and, and, and reinventing themselves over the last couple of months. Uh, but meanwhile, I, my sense is that a lot of the, the contexts and the formats that we at least as, as consumers or as working people have used for reinvention, be it going to the office every morning and meeting up with your colleagues or be it shopping or travel or going to restaurants, all these day-to-day -day activities that, that I assume we've been using to sort of continually reinvent and, and reshape they are now out of the window just because we, we simply can't do it, at least not in, in Northern Europe. How, how do you see this affecting the, the, the idea of reinvention, Anthony, and, and where are we heading? Yeah, well, um, hi, Ralph. Uh, very nice to see you in this, in this forum. Um, and a uh, huge question, and you're raising sort of massive issues, obviously, and you know the global pandemic, COVID-19 from one angle, and it also picks up on, I think it's Marlena's question or some, someone there said something about the rise of technology and self-reinvention. So I think all these things intersect in a way, um, at least I, I would argue that they do, because COVID-19 really, as it were, sort of raised reinvention to the second power. I mean, obviously, companies and organizations were working with um, remote work and lots of them were piloting schemes in and around remote work. Um, certainly in the sector I work in, in higher education, we had developed a, a lot going down that path, particularly sort of digital delivery of things to students. But it was always put into a category of, you know, it's too difficult at the moment, the technology is not good enough, we're not there yet. Um, what's fascinating to my mind is suddenly everything became turbocharged, you know, back in March, April. Um, you know, bandwidth suddenly extended, you know, largely you had companies like, you know, Google and Apple and the other big tech companies, um, you know, deepening and, and developing further the sort of, you know, digital revolution to, to make all of these um, uh, digital connections uh, easier, more seamless for us. Of course, we know they don't always work, but a lot of the time they do work as well. Um, so I would say, you know, from one angle, reinvention as a result of COVID-19 got turbocharged. Um, but I think, you know, again, it's an enormous issue, but I think various things happened. I think lots of things, the market was there to provide ready-made solutions. So we, you know, we had everything from, you know, sort of Facebook um, funerals um, through to, um, you know, Zoom dinner parties, um, as well as all the endless um, Zoom meetings and um, conference calls and so on and so forth. So, I mean, there was a sort of sense that people could use the new technologies. The new technologies became interwoven with these new ways of doing things. Um, but I think at the same time, there was a sense for many 
that some of this felt a bit empty, you know, that you'd started to reorganize bits of your life, but yeah, you were missing, you were missing elements, um, obviously of social contact, the chit chat in the office, and just the freedom that goes with, you know, along with being able to walk out the front door in the morning. Um, so this was, you know, again, reinvention was delivered um, as a kind of buzzword as to how women and men could get on and, and push ahead in 2020. But there was always that sense, I think, that on the delivery, people felt um, somehow that they'd come up short, that they'd been sold something that, you know, really didn't deliver on the promise. And that, I would argue, connects up with how it is we often feel when we're drawn into coercive forms of reinvention, when things are pre-packaged, -pre pre-scripted, pre-organized. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult to feel much of a sense of aliveness to the kind of reinvention project, much better when you're actually engaged in some form of reinvention that comes from within, that comes from discovering, from experimenting, and frankly, from half the time not knowing what it is that you're doing as you do it. Um, you know, again, I talk about that quite a bit in the book, that often the very, I think, some of the most um, inspiring versions of reinvention come from um, when people sort of forget themselves. There's nothing more tyrannical than at times the sort of sense of who you are, your self-identity, and that this is who you must be and continue to be this person. So, of course, to, the freedom to get lost and to get lost in something else is, can be truly intoxicating, and that's when reinvention um, can do more interesting things for us. To, to all your you, you fellow developers out there now, both managers and professional developers of organizations and people, remember that, that last comment by Anthony here. It, it, isn't it very, very refreshing? To let, let's go out and help the people get lost. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, not a, no, no pun intended at all. I, I think it's a, it's a very refreshing thought, actually, because we are, I, certainly myself, one, when, when the going gets tough and you really get, get working in, 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 in large change in endeavors and, 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 re, and, um, and, um, projects then it's it's very easy also to start to to over over structure over plan also these aspects of of understanding and and creating your own understanding that 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 actually would would um, fare, fare better from from people to, uh, having the the, the the more freedom of, of actually toying around with those ideas themselves very very interesting now let's uh, let's push on with a couple of get get a, a, a bit f further closer even to to to, to topics of le leadership here now now reinvention is is an organizational phenomenon too as we can read in the book and it becomes a matter for leadership in in in, in two ways on the one hand uh, companies are are focusing on reinventing themselves as you have said more than ever on the other hand, companies are made up of individuals reinventing themselves. And that reinvention is not being paused, but it's going on at work too. And hence, well, um, drawing the, 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 the connection very, very 
simple here, simply here now, uh, and hence it becomes a, a matter of leadership as well. Uh, one of my 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 clients actually and a friend of, of many years said to me, Bo is a leader of a fairly sizable company. He said that that Bo, should I really be should I really be troubled and should I really worry and, and be concerned with all of the people who are seeking themselves on my, in, 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 in my in my company? And, and because and, and first he started with, with this question about or, or comment that he, he was observing that the number of people like actually questioning not themselves as much as their what they want out of life and and, and, and other things. The, the number of, of, of people like that who are vocally doing that is growing. And, and, and it is sort of the hallmark of today that, that it, should, it should be okay to, to do that on, on company time, to, to use a very old, very old expression. Now, what should the leader be doing? Uh, should he or she turn the deaf ear? Should he or she be, he or she be doing anything at all? Those are very good, very, very, very interesting questions, at, at least to us. Now, let's start with the understanding of how leaders should think about reinventing their company. Anthony, from where you are standing, from what you have researched and, 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 and your, the, 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 the observations, is it the role of the leader to engage the company in reinvention? As you, uh, from what you have seen. So one, one version of this might be that, in a sense, whether they know it or not, um, CEOs and company directors um, have no option but to engage the work of reinvention. Um, they may not be using that particular line or that tag to it, but the, the way, because of what I was talking about earlier in terms of the global economy, the because of the way markets now work and the nature of, of, of um, investment and to demonstrate to shareholders and so on that, that the company is um, being reorganized, recalibrated, restructured and so on, that this kind of reinvention work from one angle is very, very critical. Um, from another angle, though, it's, it's curious because um, there's been, as it were, a kind of democratization of invention and reinvention. Um, because this is spread um, increasingly, it just falls to all of us as consumers to engage in this work to, to demonstrate that we're capable of these kind of reinvention practices. Um, it, it, it creates the paradox, I think, that you've got more and more certainly employees that um, aren't really uh, that interested in leaders. They're not that interested in the leadership message. Um, and when I say not that interested, their attention's just simply, I think, most of the time elsewhere. They, a, a lot of people now just don't see this as being about their life. Um, and if they get these kind of command and control messages from above, I mean, there is simply this sense that a lot of the time this stuff isn't read, it's, it's immediately junked or it's just kind of ignored. So that's an interesting kind of phenomena. So, um, certainly, I guess the section, not that there's a section on leadership, but the section on, on what's happening in organizations and companies um, in, in my book, I'm, I, I guess I'm arguing against a version of strong leadership. I'm also arguing against a version of group leadership, and I'm trying to speak up instead for a notion of what I would call imaginative leadership, um, which I think these days is, is awfully challenging. My sense of it is that 
that fewer and fewer leaders seem to be able to, to get us into that third mode. Um, so I'm talking about a situation where it's not so much self versus other, which is what strong leadership's about. You know, this is just simply the way things are around here. Nor is it group leadership where it's a kind of self in other, where we're constantly worried about others and we're worried about the team and we're doing team building and we're checking on each other. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to put that down, but it seems to me that group leadership can create a, um, a, so much information that society half the time now, we don't know what to do with it. Whereas imaginative leadership, I think is actually much more about self and other. So how you actually relate with your colleagues and how you might connect with senior management, how you talk about things. And it's all about trying to open up conversations, trying to create spaces um, for experimentation, for experience and for reflection. Well, fascinating. Anthony, we, we won't have time to really dig into how one opens up, but that, that begs for, for another discussion. So we will invite you back and, and have, a, have, a, have a focus on how you might become such a leader, because that's, that's quite fascinating. And, and in that case, let's unmute all, in that discussion also, I promise to unmute all mics so that you friends can, 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 can join. So stay tuned for that. Ralph, you have a question, I'm quite sure, on this one. Yes, actually a reflection on, on, on a meeting the other day, I, I met with the executive team at a travel company and, and I think this it's, it's a good example of how this plays out in, in the days we live in. So of course we, this was a company that had to, to reinvent, to resize, to, to sh shrink, to reschedule essentially everything over seven days last March. And now one of the topics that obviously came up was when will people start traveling again? And, and of course, an indication was that the day that, that the EU announced that the vaccine is on its way, the phone started ringing. So, of course, there's a there's a demand there waiting to, to sort of be, be actualized. But but the point really is, and we, we talked about whenever that will be. And of course, now everybody's looking at, at next autumn as even Google are stretching their remote work policy. Uh, I asked the executives, will, will you be ready then? And, and do you have sort of the machinery ready to get people out in Europe or, or globally or whatever? And, and, and frankly, they said no. They said all of our good people that we've had, and it's a well-run company with, with, from what I know, an excellent leadership. The, the senior executives said they'll all be gone. We won't have any people left because we've left them on their own now and to their own devices for half a year. And despite the fact that Finland has a good social security system and their financial is still well off, they've invented other things to do. They'll be somewhere out there. So the whole idea that previously during a crisis, I guess we were more security oriented and, and sort of waiting to get back to whatever we did before the crisis. And now this seems to have, have done a, a 180 of sorts. Now everybody's pursuing other things in life and all of a sudden it's, it's difficult to, to in fact have anybody to lead at all. Do you, do you have any reflections or thoughts on that, Anthony? Well, it makes me think, Ralph, that it's a bit like the experience of parents discovering that you know, suddenly their 17 year old or 18 year old um, is not only well and truly on the path to growing up, but they've got another life, they've got another world, and that you have to learn as a parent that your words that 
were so absolutely defining and critical and crucial, suddenly just they're a set of words among many other people uttering lots of words that people can go on and listen to and pay attention to. So, I mean, in a way, I think we're talking about how we get absorbed in things. And it's, I think it would be a real shame coming out of COVID-19 if too many organisations and too many leaders end up thinking, oh, dear, I mean, look at all these employees and our staff. They've all gone and got absorbed in other things. We've kind of lost them to our broader strategic objectives. Um, the, the, the worst thing I would have thought, but as I say, this is really not my area, but I would have thought the worst thing would be to go back to command and control and try and say, okay, well, look, enough of that nonsense now. It's, it's you know, let's get back to the straight and narrow because that's a way, I mean, that's killing conversation. If you do that, you're going to kill conversation. And I think what we're trying to talk about here is how do you open up the conversation and how do you create reinvention projects that are absorbing? Because if you can do that, you will draw people in. The chance for people to, to lose themselves and to start to experiment and to find new, new avenues and new ways of doing things within the company, within the organization, um, you know, I think is of great value to people. And we constantly, whether it's in higher education, whether it's in health, you know, whether it's in commerce and enterprise, often that is undervalued. I would agree. I guess few companies, let alone industries, are, are, are good at sort of doing experimentation on a, on a systemic level. There might be popping up initiatives here and there, but I guess we certainly have some job to do there. Good. Uh, yeah. Can I throw one in, Anthony, uh, Ralph, before? Do you have a follow-up one to this? That's no, one. you go ahead, Bill. I'm actually, could you just help us make sense of one one of the, one of the big ones? It, it would be a big five if, five if, we, if we would have ones in, in, in this, this session, as, uh, this, this category as well. Now, that is concerns the, the whole notion of purpose. Of, of, which is really a big one when it comes to understanding the drive behind engagement, and that is the, the again the, the 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 mainstream and 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 very much the 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 thinking of of of, of and reasoning of, of leadership that 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 engagement starts with, and and is is coupled with with purpose. Now, uh, from the comment that the discussion you just had with with Ralph on on the on the question what has ha what happens with purpose when people are left to their own devices, and that that's quite an interesting 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 things or thing or or actually isn't it so that that more more often than not things happen with purpose today and purpose isn't being can't be as easily controlled. I I, I don't think anyone on this grid here and I actually thinks purpose and, and engagement is easily controlled so don't worry but I think there is a uh, there is a host of 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 of, of commercial co commercial management press and media out there and quite a few managers who would say and this is what we try to do we we there can't be purpose if it isn't directed somehow and if it, and, uh, again from from above and you just said something about that so the the notion of opening up but but should we what should we be talking about is is purpose 
being continuously reinvented as well? Or is, is that the way we should look at it? Or is it, it, it should, should we just change that for another, for another concept altogether? Well, it might be, um, it, and it might be for some. Um, certainly, I would probably fall into that group of people. So for me, purpose always begs the question of, well, whose purpose? I mean, someone seems to know in advance what the purpose is. So there's a kind of normative element to that. Um, and there's the sense of knowingness that, you know, we're senior management. We know how this is going to, uh, uh, you know, unfold in advance. So it's a certain kind of voice that I guess I'd want to question from the outset and say, again, it's a conversation stopper. Because if you know the purpose of what this conversation, for example, Bo, because you're the moderator, you know the purpose of what it is we're doing here today. So if you're very explicit about that, you're going to kill off how we might talk about a whole range of things because you've decided what the purpose is. So I'm, I guess I'm wanting to question that. Um, from another angle, I, I'm always struck by when um, the, the, the psychoanalytic writer, Christopher Bolas, his argument from all of his years of analytic experience, and I think he's not only just a great analyst, but he's a brilliant writer. Um, he was previously a professor of English literature, but his argument is essentially, it can be boiled down to the following sentence. He thinks that people are terrified of their own complexity. Now, if Bolas is even half right, that's interesting about a company's purpose, because if we are terrified of our own complexity and we multiply that, whether it's a, as a, at a team level, at a senior management level, um, that's interesting to my mind. And that's why you want the conversation. And that's why you want the experience and the experiment and the engagement. Um, and, and, you, and it's why you want to dial down the knowing in advance. Um, because by definition, if we're somehow terrified of certain aspects of, of just how complex we might be and how complex the organization might be, it's going to take a bit of digging to yeah. find out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I can't resist just throwing in this, this comp company that you all would know of. I, I won't mention it by name, but there is a company who, who, uh, who is, is well known for for the, the why of that company comes close to, to the purpose, right? Somehow is uh, to, to always challenge the status quo. And I, when reading your book, Anthony, I haven't been able to really re let that go. I think it's such a, such a very interesting thought. It's sort of, there, there is a big technology tech company going about, going around, say, with, with, with the, the whole, which, which encompasses the, the why that you have been talking about all the so is the purpose is always challenging the status quo uh how how uh, close that don't we really come to to the whole notion of reinvention and which opens up a whole new uh set of problems and can we even run with the and and work with the with the pro, um, um, how effective is a is a purpose like that and um, Ralph, we are approaching the end and we, we will definitely finish at, at half past. People have things to do and I know Anthony has, 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 is on a tight schedule as well. But maybe just a few comments from the chat. Can you, can you see something interesting there? 
Absolutely. I mean, Paul, Paul and Roger and Jacqueline are, are essentially all, all shooting at, at the same beast, I think, but from, from different angles. There seems to be a, a surge in demand now for new leadership models. Paul's talking about imaginative leadership and the ideas around that as being interesting. And, and Roger's talking about an open window for organizations to, to sort of increase their efforts for, for reinvention. Just your, your final thoughts on that, Anthony. Are we, is, is this a good time to open up for, for new ways of approaching leadership in the age of reinvention? Well, again, it, it, it might be, it might not. I mean, you know, we're going to come out of, um, and it seems, you know, everyone's fingers are crossed. This is what we all want for Christmas is to come out of this thing. Um, and, you know, I think there is a sense that it's not as simple as going back to a previous state of affairs because things have thoroughly changed. I do find it interesting that Jacqueline's finished up with, by raising the question of imagination. And I just finished by, I mean, again, I'm reminded of Marion Milner wrote somewhere that when she was painting, she painted a, a landscape um, and was, for example, a tree. She would, she would never look at the tree. She'd look at everything else. She'd look at everything around the tree, but she wouldn't look at the tree. Um, so I think, I think that's pointing us somewhere interesting in terms of these sort of the interconnections between imagination, creation and reinvention, and particularly try, to try to get away from what I try to chart out in the book, these, you know, very commercialized, simplified, pre-packaged, pre-scripted, you know, 24 key points on leadership or how to be in a, you know, the world's greatest CEO in two days. I mean, the bottom line is if this stuff worked, we'd all be doing it. Um, it, it you know, things work for different people, things work for different organizations. And I think genuine self-reinvention and corporate reinvention and collective reinvention it is a leap into imagination. It is a leap into experimentation, um, but that's not always straightforward. So sometimes it's 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 a difficult jump. With what a wonderful end ending note there, Anthony. Thank you very much for sharing that for for opening your thoughts with us here today and sharing your thoughts about about reinvention. I hope you you my friends and thank you for 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 joining us today. I hope you feel feel in, uh, um, inspired. I hope you feel interested enough to, 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 to dig into this. And of course, I now we are not on a commission with Ralph, but we, we do, uh, we, we, without any hesitation, we, we suggest that you actually get the book, if nothing else, the, the, the e-copy. The, the, because for once, there is a book that is actually priced sensibly. In in, in in management literature, so 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 do go go and get it from from Amazon. I think you will have very interesting insights now and start a conversation with Anthony about it, with or without the book. Thank you very much, guys. You have been listening to a Talent Miles Talks podcast produced by Talent Miles, the company using digital approaches to create more dialogue and learning in teams and faster change in companies. Learn more at www.talentmiles.pro.